Cleveland here. Welcome to Cat Pick Fridays, episode number 62, the show that brings you latest and the greatest in guitar and music industry news. I'm Vlad. Welcome to half of my studio, or like part of my studio, because you can see it just a little bit of it. And also, once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Richard Morgan. And Rich, this week, we have to celebrate because... We are not missing a Harley Benton release. Does this mean that they are listening and they are now releasing stuff before we shoot the show? What do you think? Vlad, you know that's very unlikely indeed. <laughs> it's possible. Oh, it's really? possible that a major international guitar brand is waiting for this podcast to go out and then waiting to release their products the day before we shoot. It's possible. I would love to think it was the reality, but I believe it to be as unlikely yeah. as certain cheap pedals sounding like the real boutique versions of said pedals. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. Uh, by the way, uh, for anyone watching, uh, my setup might look different because few updates. Uh, first of all, the reason why this looks different is that I was too tired to clean up and set up the lights and everything but also because the studio renovation or moving my moving this studio to a room over here that's a go it's happening and it we've started that already I actually sold one of my the rack units i have over here in my room already i'm rearranging stuff i'm actually going through all of my drawers and closets and Things like that and finding stuff I didn't remember that I own and putting that on sale. And also going through all of my gear makes me slightly anxious about how much money I've spent on stuff and like what's the overall like total worth of everything I have here. Because I think I'll probably have like just if we talk about just cables, I think I probably spent like between one and two thousand euros on just those because like hdmi cables for example are expensive i have like 15 of those one of which is by the way 10 meters long which is i guess borderline how long an hdmi cable can be before it stops functioning i think i got that from hoser so well then hoser it has worked so far for those few occasions <laughs> i've actually needed it so <laughs> impressive stuff and other update, I didn't release a Harley Benton DIY kit video this week because there wasn't really anything to release. Uh, I'm in kind of applying lacquer or like coat layers stage and there's nothing to report. I spray a coat layer whenever it's warm outside and as soon as I've sprayed, I run with that guitar body and put it in the closet to dry so like no flies or anything stick onto it. And then repeat that the next day. And sometimes I've taken a few days in between, so it probably dries. And yesterday, we're shooting this on Friday when this episode actually comes out. Yesterday, I sprayed the last coat layers both on the headstock that's hanging on, hanging over there. And then in the closet is the guitar body. And the coat layers are done. The other stuff, the stuff left to do is just like wet sanding, polishing, and putting it all together. And this project will conclude next week. So exciting times. Exciting and, times indeed. 
And so I don't just promote myself rich. Anything you want to push out to our viewers and listeners this week? What's a video that yeah. you've been super happy with as of late? Oof. What's a video I've been super <laughs> happy with as late? That's a, that's no, a tough well, question. I'm going to have well, to well, 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 look at like my somewhat channel. happy at least. As we do this. It's like, I have this mentality these days with my own videos, which is the better done than perfect mentality. Yes, absolutely. Especially when I started releasing them, it was like I would spend hours kind of agonizing over tiny decisions. Should I play this one riff? Should I take it out? Should I speak about this? What should I do? How much should I plan it? Blah, 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 blah. Does it look good enough? And these days I just kind of make stuff that I like. And yeah. that's the way I've done it. And I feel like, if you, yeah, perfectionism is cool, but to a certain extent, and then it stops you being creative and it stunts your your potential, I think. So I'm releasing videos with mistakes in, I guess, is the short answer to that. <laughs> but which videos of mine have I been proud of recently? There's a couple, actually. I mean, Yamaha Good. Germany very kindly sent me one of the new Rev Stars recently. I've done a couple of videos with that guitar, which I like very much. And I did one comparing it to my Epiphone Les Paul, which is a, that's a pretty cool video and it's done pretty well. Um, the other video which I did recently, which I really want people to watch, but nobody is watching, is the Tone City Golden Plexi 2, which I have on my desk. And which I actually teasered on a previous show that we did. But I feel like, you know, these, um, these Tone City pedals are so popular and the Golden Plexi was the most famous of all of them. And a month or two ago, Tone City quietly released the second version of it. They've made it more usable. They've made the gain control easier to use. They've reduced the noise floor and so on. So they've improved this massive classic cheap pedal. And I'm the only person who's done a video on it, but still no one's, no one's seen it. So if you want to watch that, or if you want to share it with your friends, family and co-workers, and maybe even some of your enemies or union workers, please do. I need all the clicks I can get, especially because my videos are so imperfect. So that's me trying uh, to push my stuff and failing. <laughs> nice, nice. You should definitely get into promotion and, uh, yeah. you know, artist relations and company like advertisement game. Yeah, marketing. If only I knew how yeah. to do that. Give it a try. <laughs> Give it a try. Yeah, uh, I guess I completely forgot to mention what, what the show is about uh, or like what we're doing here. Basically, there's a bunch of cool, I'd say there's a bunch of cool gear that was released this week. But there's a few things that I'm excited about. And we are again going to answer a bunch of your questions or comments or both comments on your comments, answer your question, answer your comments, comment on your questions. That could be a thing as well. We don't answer the questions, we're just going to comment it. Could be a um, thing. Could be a thing. Yeah, there could were some good thing. ones once again. So thank Could've you for those. And, by the way, if you want to submit your, if you, especially if you have a long form question, you can email us at podcast at catpickstudios.com or just comment on YouTube and we'll find you there. And I think it's time to move on to things that have happened as of late. And we have just segment to do that in recent happenings. I kind of alluded to this in the intro, but Harley Benton has released more guitars. And 
yeah, it's Fusion EMG HD roasted models, stealth black shredders, as GameUser.com says. Whoa. They're black. I can and they get barely EMGs. contain my excitement. <laughs> yeah. No, this actually looks kind of cool. And actually, super cool. If, do we want to go right away to this? Because... If we were looking at this photo, as I you think can I see know on what YouTube, you're going to say. And yes, go there. Yes. These look awfully a lot like Chapman ML3s or something like that. Whatever the yes. models are called. Yep. At least they were heavily yeah, inspired. The, yeah, the ML3. That's the Chapman Tele-esque model. Chapman, of course, yep. recently released their 2022 guitars. But these oh, new you? Harley Bentons... They, they reminded me straight away of those designs. I mean, they're mm. possibly built in the same place as well, aren't they? <laughs> that, I would that suspect that they are. True, by the way. <laughs> they just rebadged them, slightly changed the headstock and put different hardware on them. And that's about it. But yeah, I yeah. mean, very close. And I mean, well, you have the ML3-ish sort of teletype. And then the ML, is it the ML1, which was the Chapman sort of Strat type? Uh, yeah. Because, I so. yeah, I mean, the Strat type here also looks very similar. Mm. I but mean, I think these guitars look great. I have to say that straight from the off. A bit metal for me, possibly, but hey, maybe not. I don't know who these guitars are for. I mean, obviously, they're stealth-colored shred machines, but are they really metal guitars? Or are they kind of rock well, guitars? I, I could see this as a rock guitars as well. They're somewhat universal in their design, I, I guess. I wouldn't probably bring this guitar, either of these guitars to a jazz gig, but I don't play jazz gigs anyway, so not really an issue for me. But for anything from rock to metal, I know everything like in between those genres. I don't know if there's like a straight line of genres, like this metal, this <laughs> jazz, and then everything in between. Let's pretend that this is, I wouldn't go to the jazz end of music with these, but almost everything else. Yeah, why not? That's funny. Maybe the reverse, yeah, the re reverse headstock makes them maybe a bit more aggressive, I guess. But otherwise, yeah. I don't know. If you were to Photoshop these guitars and just flip the necks over to have kind of non-reverse headstocks, they would mm. look so much more traditional. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say or, that I've always yeah. heard that playing jazz is when you play more than one wrong note, so two wrong notes or more. <laughs> and therefore, for me, every gig I ever play is a jazz gig. So yes. these guitars would be suitable for me for doing that. That's very true. And by the way, the, the guitars are equipped with EMG retroactive hot humbuckers. So I don't. from what I know about the EMG pickups, these aren't crazy modern sounding. It's not like your typical 81 or anything like that. So yeah, should but be nice. They're active pickups, though, aren't they? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But so even if they active, will have a bit of poke. Has, yeah. Even if it's active pickups, though, it's different nowadays. Like I, when I was growing up as a guitar player, active pickups meant that they are for metal, and that's what people got them. But nowadays, not so much. Even all of those like vintage sounding. What's the brand that does a lot of those? Uh, Fishman Fluids. Fishman's. Yeah, even those yep. are active pickups, but they sure don't sound like your, I guess, traditional active pickups, if you will. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so, yeah, the EMG pickups in these guitars is already a great specification. They both yeah. cost 449 euros. And if we go through the rest of the specs, once again, it's it's almost mind-boggling how Harley Benton manages to fit these specs into a guitar of that value. Let's just read through mm. what you get with these guitars. Yes. So you've obviously got roasted in the name, and that refers to the fact that you've got a Canadian or Canadian, if I was to speak correctly, roasted maple neck, 24 jumbo stainless steel frets. So we've got stainless steel frets, C-shaped neck, and I'm guessing it's a slimish profile if this is a, a shred yeah. machine. The bridge, it's hardtail on both of them, so this is kind of a hardtail strat as well. It's a WSC hip shot style bridge. So that's kind of cool. Will be interesting to yep. see how well those hold up in reality. WSC mm. is not Wilkinson. It's kind of a similar name, but it's kind of a, it's a generic sort of Chinese brand. There are also WSC staggered locking tuners on these guitars and a Graftech tusk nut. So you would think if they're set up well, tuning stability mm. is going to be great. But yeah, just talking about those features, those specs, those body and neck woods, 449 euros. I mean, how is that possible? I just bet they sell so many of these that they actually make that's, a profit. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, the only, only way, way they, to do this. They literally order thousands upon thousands and they cost them pennies. Of course, there's yes. no distribution partner, so it's direct sales as well. Yeah, that helps. And yeah, but I mean, what a what a value for money proposition. And as you mentioned right at the start, these look very similar to Chapman guitars. Could this be a problem for the Chapmans? going forward well we've talked about this before there's something going on with Chapman guitars in general where they well first of all their online presence has really kind of come down from the yeah best years I guess they've had and yeah I don't know to me it just seems like these are mo most likely <laughs> designed and produced in the same factory, and but they are probably not uh, like patented or copyrighted, or in, in the designs that is aren't copyrighted. And I mean, it, it might be the colors that do this because the T style body, for example, the T style guitar I have, Harley Bent one that's over there in my closet. Uh, it has exactly the same body design, so this design has been around for a little while at least now. But yeah, and th just these guitars these colors, are part. Yeah, yeah, these guitars are part of the fusion range. So, yeah, of course, it's the that range that has been it. out for a while. This is part of the Fusion Three series. Yeah. So yeah, not totally yeah. new, but these new colorways are gonna. I don't know. It's just something about the the satin black. The double humbuckers <laughs> and the hardtail bridge. That's what screams Chapman for me. Yep. That's the thing. But I would love to try one or both of these guitars. Which would you go for? The strat type or the tele type? I think I'd go for the T-style one as well because I always do. Yeah, but yeah there's just something about good. the design that speaks to me. Yeah. But yeah, these look nice, and 
We're going to drop links to the article and a couple of affiliate links if you end up getting one. That's a great way to support what we do and doesn't cost you anything extra. From all events. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Parliament. Derailing your segue there. I apologize. It is all good. We go from Harley Benton's to something that's way, way more modern, if you will. Strandberg has the new Bowden Standard NX series. And Strandberg obviously are these headless, ultra ergonomic guitars with fan threads, angled threads. I don't know. I don't remember which one was the patented name to use and which one was the work around that but one of those the threads are aren't straight let's put it that way <laughs> that's a very technical <laughs> term for that and uh, i guess these are the kind of more affordable guitars affordable yeah. in this case means uh i saw the prices at the end of the page so these are still around 16 1700 depending if you're going for a hotel or a floating bridge but yeah having played a few of these guitars or their guitars i kind of get what the thing what what kind of the idea behind these are Super comfortable, super light, and sound great. Yeah, I mean, it's taking the idea of the electric guitar and applying ultimate modern-day ergonomics to it. Mm. And the neck profile is something you have to hold in your own hands to believe, because it feels so different. But yeah, the vast majority of people, I think, who pick up a Strandberg learn to love that profile straight away, and then they probably don't want to play anything else. Mm. But yeah, these guitars are, like you say, a more affordable entry point into the world of Strandberg. So at about 1,500 euros or dollars, the most affordable ones, they're competing with a bunch of other instruments kind of in that category. Mm. They are. Kiesel is the one that really springs to mind. And I think they'll sell a bunch of these. I think Strandberg's yes. been doing really well with its marketing and online presence recently. And we're seeing more and more guitarists playing these guitars. Yep. Yeah, and these, these kind of instruments are also great. If you suffer from any kind of back issues, for example, these are so much more lighter than those guitars that if you have any like physical problems with your back, for example, these could be the only guitars you're able to play. Yeah, exactly. And they look and sound great, so cool. They do. I mean, uh, these ones have Strandberg's own pickups in them which I haven't tried. When our blue guitar artist, Rish Gabrielchek, came to visit us in Saarbrücken recently, he brought his Fishman, and that is a, a seven-string with Fishman Fluence pickups in it. And mm. that was just brutal. I've not heard these new ones, of course. They're too new for that. But I'm sure they're going to sound great. And as well as six strings, you do have a seven and even an eight-string option. Yeah. And I think even the eight-string comes in at under $2,000. Yep, 1845 So that's very affordable for that. If they can hold their tuning and do the job, then these are going to be great options for people. Yeah. I Actually, like, if I would ever get an 8-string, I would probably consider something like this because, A, the guitar is probably still manageable weight-wise. And also, with the fan threading thing, it would 
internet better, which I think is yes. a problem on the traditional seven or eight string. Yeah, at least. Yeah, I think you're right there. Have, yeah. So I would actually um, be really interested to check out the weights of these guitars because these new Bowdens are actually solid body as opposed to chambered. Mm. So I hope they've found light woods for these guitars. Yeah. I wonder if they're really interesting to see the difference. I know that Strandberg is not exhibiting at NAM in June, oh. but I have been sneakily in touch with the company and we should, fingers crossed, be getting one or two of these guitars on our booth as demo guitars. Ooh, if that well happens, done. that would be fantastic. So fingers crossed. Nice. Yeah, so these, by the way, are ma manufactured in Indonesia and... As a lot yep. of you people know, that's not to whatever the word I'm going for. Basically, it doesn't mean they're bad. Actually, a lot of the amazing like thousand ish to two thousand ish dollars or euros guitars are manufactured in Indonesia nowadays, and the quality is excellent. So, kind of excited about that. Probably the same factory that produces you know solar guitars and things like that as well. Yep. And by the way, the eight string is t roughly 2.7 kilos, and they actually say that it's like plus minus 10% to that weight. Obviously, there's a bit of variation going on, but 2.7 okay. kilos for an eight string is that's that's cool. very manageable. Yeah, yes, yeah. I'd love the idea of showing up to a church geek, especially like. If the bass player can't make it, I would just show up with one of these. I'm like, hey, guys, I got it. I got it. <laughs> and just do, <laughs> like add some sort of octave on it as well, and you're good to go. Kind of. Yeah. yeah I'd I, love to try one of these out. Yeah, so, me too. And you'll, and hopefully you'll get to do that. At yes, time, hopefully so. soon. If we do get them, I think we'll have a six and a seven. So that. That will be nice, and I look forward to it. I really hope it happens. Nice. From affordable guitars to even more affordable guitars, Ibanez streams, dem streams demos of new RG GIO models, which are, I, I guess, one of their most affordable ranges. And apparently they've updated the range, and they are even better now. So, well done, Ibanez. Are you familiar with the, uh, the Geo guitars? or however it's pronounced. I, I've never played one. Uh, from what I understand, they are this kind of RG-shaped, fairly basic guitars, but with a very decent build quality and just great beginner guitars. If you want to get... Yeah. If somebody's picking up the guitar and they want... They love Ibanez design, for example. There's plenty of good options available. And these are two ninety nine price range. US dollars, that is, so not the most affordable, but, you know, good, good quality with a very decent price tag. Yeah, I mean, every Ibanez I've ever played at any budget point has been set up meticulously, so you can expect these to be very playable. Yep. And I'm trying to find them on the Ibanez website, but I can't. Oh, maybe oh, really? I just found it. Somehow I feel like the whole GIO, GIO, I don't know how they'd like us to pronounce that thing, but 
feels like those have been kind of under the radar the whole time, especially now they have the is it essential? Yes. Yep. Was the range? Uh, now they have kind of the more classic player version of an avoidable guitar, and then they have this. So, yeah, which is a more cool. modern take on it. Yeah, I think I found yeah. it on the Ibanez site. So just a very quick run through of the specs for anyone who's interested. Please. Roasted maple neck with a Jatoba fretboard, poplar body, 24 medium frets, classic elite Ibanez humbuckers in the neck and the bridge. And you can find those in a bunch of other more affordable Ibanez guitars. So very good pickups. These are going to be yep. kind of hard rock guitars, again, I think. I like the fact that there is no um, tremolo. So it's a hardtail bridge. Mm -hmm. Again, that will help with the tuning stability. And I love the color of the catchily named GRG121SP, <laughs> which is blue metal Catchy. chameleon. So... Uh, it's sparkly and I guess it changes color in the light and goes kind of purpley depending on what oh, angle nice. you've got it at. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Really totally nice. not my kind of thing naturally, not my home ballpark at all. Kind of this is the opposite of a standard classic telly, but um, yeah, I would love to give one of these a go. They look like super fun. Yep, definitely. And from Ibanez to Epiphone, and I gotta say, the I got excited about these. Epiphone introduces two new Jerry Cantrell models. And for those watching on YouTube, you can see that these this guitar looks just great. There's the Vino Les Paul, so dark wine red finished one. Comes with a hard case. And I think it had his own pickups in it as well. Yeah, gonna read you some specs. Dark one, red finish on a mahogany body with a plain maple cap, a nine hole weight relief to make things a little lighter. Mahogany neck, ebony fretboard and 22 frets. Golden hardware, Grover automatic kidney tuners, Alnico classic pro humbucker with a gold cover in the neck position and an exposed coil 8090 pro humbucker in the bridge. Price-wise, it's eight forty-nine US dollars, and in the video that has wait, does it come with a case as well? Article. Yeah, I think both come with a case. I think the thing looks amazing. We're looking at the Vino one, the Epiphone video that looks fantastic. Comes with proper pickups as well, and. I mean, Jerry isn't playing in this video. There's some Epiphone guy that's introducing the guitar, but it looks really, really good. And I think I, I we've talked about this before. I like the new Epiphone headstock, but I think especially the custom one with the diamond inlay thing. Yeah, that looks and really the binding. Good. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a really, really classy good. looking guitar. Yeah, I think. The price tag that you've got, about $850 or 850 euros, it does mm. seem like quite a lot for an Epiphone, but reading through those specifications and seeing the guitar, this kind of feels like it's worth it. I mean, it looks fantastic. Yep. It does. Uh, Epiphone is making it difficult for me because I want to get a less Paul-type guitar. <laughs> and I'd probably lean towards Gibson or Epiphone 
depending on what my budget will be. But yeah, they're making it hard because I won't. I've been thinking about the Matt Heafy signature because having a seven-string yeah. Les Paul would be kind of awesome. But then again, there's these guitars that are absolute classic looking. There's also, by the way, there's also a white one or bone white to be most exact. And it's pretty much the same specs, except it has 24 frets, which is a cool little detail. And also comes with the custom-voiced Fishman Fluence pickups. And based on the looks, also different kind of inlays. Nice. That's really cool. You, so two different yeah. signature guitars. Yeah, you, you pay a little bit more for the Bone White version. $1,149. But again, I mean, factor in those Fishman Fluence pickups mm. and you're, you're pretty much there at the difference, aren't you? But again, yeah, pretty much. I mean, looking those at those good. those specs, uh, how good these look. If the standard ones that normal people will find in stores are as good as this, I feel like it in some ways becomes harder and harder to justify a Gibson over these. Mm. It's the law of diminishing returns, isn't it? I mean, you pay plenty more money to get 5% more in terms of performance and quality, at yeah. least in theory. But yeah, these guitars look super cool yeah also the idea of a 24 fret Les Paul sounds pretty cool so it does thanks Epiphone now I have three guitars to buy one a Bowden Strandberg and then a couple of Epiphones <laughs> so yeah I think which of these two would you go for by the way if you were to pick one <sighs> Damn it. I'd probably go with the the wine red one just because I don't have a classic Les Paul type of thing in my collection. And it's one of those guitars that I kind of really want to have because yeah. it's just... I know what you mean. I think I would choose that one as well. And one thing that I really like about the wine red one is that it doesn't actually look that much like a signature guitar. If you know mm. what I mean, whereas the white one yes. has a lot more of Jerry Cantrell's character to it. And I've got nothing against him, but I just like the fact that the, the wine red one doesn't look like that. Yep. You know, I'm I'm not I, the world's biggest Alice in Chains fan or a Jerry Trout Jerry Trout? Jerry Cantrell fan. <laughs> it's um you know, I, I think they're okay, but I wouldn't go out and buy a product specifically because of them. So I like the fact that mm. with the wine red version you can pass it off as a just slightly unusual Les Paul, but not necessarily a signature model. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, it's really weird to see Mesa Booger featured in the Gibson video. I was yeah. reminded that Gibson bought Mesa Boogie <laughs> a while ago. Completely forgot that. And this is, by the way, a very unofficial... Basically, what I heard on some Finnish guitar forums was that a lot of Mesa Boogie people have been resigning as of late, and especially since oh, the yeah? acquisition. And Mesa Mesa Boogie actually has a lot of job openings. They've been posting a lot of job openings as of late, and yeah, we'll see if we hear more about that situation. But that's something that I read somewhere. So, just interesting. But I'm gonna pass it as a rumor as of now because I. 
haven't been able to confirm anything, you know, like first yeah. hand. So pure fluor. So let's instead talk about the Source Audio Atlas compressor. I think it's been a while since they've released a pedal. And now we have the compressor pedal, if you ask them. Which <laughs> apparently does yeah. a lot of compressor pedals. And not only compressor pedals, but just studio compressors. The famous LA-2A and things like that. So... What yeah, was what the was the last source, source audio source pedal? Was it an was EQ it? pedal or something? <laughs> I I can't EQ remember. Pedal. Do they have an EQ yeah. pedal? Could be possible. They might have. I believe so. But yeah, now they're out with the the Atlas compressor. Mm. And it has a bunch of different compression circuits in it. Are we assuming yes. or do we know that this is a digital pedal or is it? Oh, it's definitely di digital. Because you oh, can yeah, edit just it with, uh, looking with at an the app. app. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's digital. But I think and that their most recent pedal, the EQ pedal, if I'm right, was an analog pedal. Oh, I'm have could to be. Look at that. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, let, back uh, to the Atlas, because that's what we're talking about today. Yes. It's, if, you wanted, if you ever wanted to have a compressor pedal that does everything, you have it now. Because this seems to do everything and all all the classic compressor types, they are here. Basically, there's six different types. There's the LA-2A optical compressor. There's the 1176 LED optical compressor, dual compressor, compressor option as well. And yeah, it does absolutely everything and you can control it via app as well. I wonder if with these newer Sodio pedals, can you connect to those via Bluetooth, for example? Because my only issue with the Nemesis Delay, for example, was that in order to connect it to a phone, you needed to get like a very special cable that it wasn't going to use. The editor itself was just fine, and it was cool that I was able to download a bunch of plugins, or not plugins, like presets that other people had created. But, yeah, that, that's yeah. my only question, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm actually not sure. But I do remember in the past people with the same complaint, complaint as you. You know, I've mispronounced three words today and they've all started with the letter C. So I think I'm going to not say the letter C for the rest of the podcast, starting now. Yes. Yes. Can you please repeat the sentence? Classic compressors, a cure... I don't know, cannibalism. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Um, re repeat that several I must times. I politely refuse. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think our viewers and listeners can tell that we are not the biggest compressor fans here. We're not going over the moon for this, but for working musicians out there, this could be just the thing. And... Every source audio pedal, from this new range at least, uh, is apparently really good. So I think this yeah, will I mean, probably be as well. In some ways, it's it's hard to get super excited about a compression pedal because if you're me, for example, compression is something that you, well, firstly, don't tend to use that much. I possibly should use it more. <laughs> 
Occasionally, I like to go really crazy with my MXR Dynacomp and do the country chicken picking thing. But otherwise, yep. I don't really use one. You know, I know a lot of people like to leave one on at all times. And it's possible that that would make things sound better for me. Um, but it can also kind of negatively affect your dynamics. And actually, as I'm mm. talking to you now, I'm thinking I should use one more because I'm not a very dynamic player anyway, am I? So maybe <laughs> I should use one. But, you, you know, yeah. compression, it's like it's like the meat and potatoes of effects in a way. It's not like a super cool delay, you know, like the recent Space Echoes that have come out. It's not the kind of thing that you get mm. excited about in that way, at, at least in my opinion. Yep, I totally agree. Yet, when you actually use one, it's just so much fun. Yeah, and when you switch um, it off, you realize what you were doing with it. <laughs> By the way, yes. Source Audio's previous pedal release was the Zio or Zio, their first all analog pedal. It was a front end plus booster. Ooh, there you go. So now yep. we know. So it wasn't the EQ. Yep, there we go. So they do do some yeah, so all analog pedals, but the Atlas is not one of those. Yes, they went the complete opposite direction of this one. Yep, I bet this sounds great. And for some people, this will be exactly the thing they want and need. Want and need, by the way, when it comes to guitar gear, are not the same. So, it's true. as we all know, it is very true. EQD, or also known as Earthquake Devices, special cranker overdrive adds the drive and retains your dynamics. With germanium and silicon clipping options. And I gave this pedal a listen, and it special cranker is exactly the way I would describe this. It sounds like speaker blowing up, and it sounds good. Very retro yeah, kind of drive. Yeah, it's uh, it does that specific sort of ripped speaker thing. I remember that fairly recently, Electroharmonics released the ripped speaker fuzz, like last year it must have been. Mm. And this is something kind of similar, a super old school distortion, sort of kinks type sound, pretty punky. Yeah, Certain players will love this tone. For other people, it won't be a smooth enough sound. But I like the fact that you have germanium and silicon options on this. Just gives yep. you a little little bit of extra options. Yeah, plus you can also run it anywhere between a 9 and 18 volts. Really cool. And it's not going to break the bank. $99. So Yep, $99 for what we can assume is a USA-made pedal because all their pedals are yeah. made in the USA. So they've got yep. one up on JHS because for $99, we're getting a, an American-built pedal with three controls, but also some pretty nifty artwork because Earthquake <laughs> stuff always <laughs> looks great. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I checked... Whose video did I check? Well, anyway, there's several videos to link to the article and obviously all the links in the show notes if you want to find out more. It sounds great. I don't think we need to spend time trying to describe how it sounds. Just give it a listen and you'll know right away whether it's something you want to get or not. And as we just mentioned, $99. So kind of one of those impulse buy, things, mm -hmm. I'd say, for a lot of people at least. 
Moving on to the next thing, Dreadbox Disorder Fast Pedal with a self-oscillating filter. New aggressive fast pedal from Dreadbox. And right away, I'll have to confess, I don't remember ever hearing about uh, Dreadbox pedals before. Me neither. I also have to admit that. But this pedal looks cool. It does. Really awesome looking design. I like it. Yeah, pretty unique, yeah. and it's apparently a very aggressive fuzz. It's a vintage transistor-gated fuzz as well, so it's going to be very sputtery. You can turn it up to self-oscillation somehow. There's an unlimited volume boost. This is going to be for making very kind of in-your-face noises. So it seems. But does it have, like, though, what are they called? Uh, people have those Eurorack things and create... Yeah. All kinds of sound of those. Looks like it has sort of inputs for those. That's or what it looks inputs like. Inputs or outputs. Kind of cool. So they definitely haven't designed this just for pedals. Or like guitar pedal boards, that is. I like that. Really nice. Yeah. They, they said that the Dreadbox Disorder is a fairly aggressive sounding fuzz pedal. Though it also has the ability to tweak the tones even further than a lot of pedals and yeah and you you've got those patch points for connecting it into some kind of a mm. synth network or whatever i'm not much of an expert when it comes to that but actually no, the self-oscillation <laughs> stuff also makes a lot more sense to me when i relate it to keyboards and synths as opposed yes. to fuzz as a guitar pedal so yeah yep also i haven't watched that... a video of this i'm gonna have to listen now I'm more no. interested to hear it with a synth than with a with a guitar, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like several people we know have done a demo with this. So. Yeah, there's a few videos. This one has flown completely under my radar. So, yeah, 115 yeah. euros, that's really not too bad. Worth checking yeah, out. Excluding VAT, but still. Oh, that's a sneaky way of doing it. It's, by the way, that, that's weird that nobody ever announces the price like this anymore. You can I know. have a local V. Weird. So what would it be, including VAT? Let's say VAT would be a maximum of 20%, so it's going to be 130 euros maybe in a shop, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Maybe a tiny uh, bit more, actually a bit less. 24%, so that would be... 24%? That's yes. a lot of VAT. Yes, we gotta. Somebody has to pay for those roads we have because we have that the best roads in the world. Yeah, moose proof. Uh, at least in the ballpark of having the best. Yep. We're roughly there, I think. Top five, definitely. Mm. Top four hundred. Sure. I like the uh, the caption underneath <laughs> the image: "Dirty old fuss box." <laughs> Clearly, someone spent a lot of time coming up with that. I love the design. It's just something about it speaks to me. I don't know. It looks... Well, there are some, I, I believe, Japanese letters here, and there's definitely something like Japanese design vibes here going on. Why like have it. neither of us ever even heard of Dreadbox before? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I bet we will get a comment... On the show, like, oh, this company has existed for 125 years and they were the first one to design a fuzz box 
before we even had electricity yeah. type of thing. Interestingly, like if you Google Dreadbox effects, as I just have cunningly off to the yes. side, uh, their website is titled Effects Dreadbox Synthesizers. So, oh, they and all. they make a lot of Euro rack stuff by the look of it. But then yes. you click on their sides and you get the... guitar pedals. Yeah. Oh, they do a lot of synths too. Oh, a very yeah. cool looking company. I don't understand a lot of the products, but I'm going to have to investigate this later. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But hen hence the Euro rack compatibility. Well, that's yes. a difficult word to pronounce at this point of the day. I mean, Indeed. it is 20 minutes to 1 p.m. already, so it's getting late. It is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, your afternoon nap. Anyway, uh, from fuzzy pedals to high quality journalism by us, <laughs> Mary's Audio is teasing a new pedal, and we have no idea what it is. We can try to zoom in on it, but I don't think that will help. Go for it. My browser refuses to zoom in right now, so oh. we are not going to zoom on it. But yeah. Come on. Maris is definitely, they're a cult pedal builder, aren't they? With uh, <laughs> pedals like the Polymoon and stuff. They make really interesting sort of atmospheric, ethereal, otherworldly sort of sounds. And this pedal, from what we can see, it's a side-on view taken from quite far away. It's perched on a table or a bar stool or whatever that is. And it looks chunky. It looks like a, it does. a wedge of cheese with four foot pedals <laughs> and about six knobs on it. Yes. A wedge of cheese and, with knobs on it. Yeah, which I would buy. But this looks like a very interesting design. I think it does. One thing that I've heard from Meris users over the years is that the effects are second to none, some of the best out there, but they have struggled mm. in the past sometimes with their user interfaces. You know, it's sometimes been a little bit difficult to do things with patches to make things happen as easily as you would want them to. And so the possibility of having four foot switches here, possibly making that easier, that would be very cool. Yeah, I just gave the post a like as well. Nice. Yes, indeed. Yep. Yeah, so this will be coming out soon. Yeah. Do I see four foot switches? Yeah, I feel like we do. Kind of. Maybe. Maybe there's four foot switches. We shall see. Uh, everyone Everybody watching and listening. Post yes. your guesses as to what this pedal is in the comments. And when the pedal is released, we'll come back to the comments. And the person who got it right will win our respect. So something. Yes. We'll see. Would love to come up with something that people could win. So... I need to think about it. I have some ideas, but I'm not going to discuss them here just yet. Mysteries. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Post your comments. What is it? And we'll come back on this topic later. But right now, we absolutely need to discuss Guitar Pro 8. <laughs> and again, it's right away asks, do you need it? And is it worth it? Two very valid questions. And... I'm trying to remember what was the price of this thing. 70 euros. Yeah, 70 euros. And is it? do you need it? Is it worth it? My answer would be it depends. 
I think Guitar Pro is a great learning tool. I used it a lot in my teens, especially to learn a lot of the songs. And the ability to slow down difficult parts was really great. But I was, like, there's also some issues with the guitar apps that I... You're kind of staring at the tabs and you're not... I, f I feel like you're not taking in the music in the right way, so to speak. I, I don't know how to better describe it, but you're learning finger positions instead of kind of learning the music by heart and then playing it type of thing. Well, at least that's how it was for me. Even though I learned some songs and I learned some techniques and was able to play some of my favorite solos and stuff like that. Um, I've it wasn't never all used... good. Yeah, I've never used Guitar Pro. Can you tell me what it actually does? It plays tabs, basically. So you can play and... music, you can load any kind of musical track into it and it tabs out what's being played or what? Uh, no, basically people create tabs and some some artists and some YouTubers also create official tabs for their songs and sometimes the whole song could be ma mapped so there would be drums and bass and maybe, maybe even a vocal line. Everything's tabbed and you can slow it down, speed it up, you can see how to play there's both notation and the tabs running as the song progresses and things like that. So it's a very cool tool to have because you can both see on the tab and you can see the notation and you can also hear what's going on. And it's basically, it's, it's a great learning tool. But I don't know, maybe it was just, I didn't, it didn't work for me as well as it could for some other people. But from and, what I understand, a lot of people are still using tabs and they're using Guitar Pro as well. Yeah, I still occasionally use, you know, websites like Ultimate Guitar to get tabs or whatever. But the issue there is always that you have these user-made tabs, which are normally, they can get you ballpark, but you have to figure things out yes. by yourself. You have to use your ear. And so when it comes to something like Guitar Pro, am I right in saying that a lot of them are more official tabs, so they're going to be right? Or can you also get uh, ones which are just way off, just kind of you can get, added by you users? Can also get the, yeah, you can also get those that are just way off. Okay. Because anyone can create a guitar tab and then you can put it on Ultimate Guitar or something like that. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But from, from this weird rant to that fact that the Guitar Pro 8, for example, has some time stretching features now which is cool you can actually put in an audio track and time stretch it which is nice um, there's virtual effects chain so I'm assuming everything sounds a bit better than it used to because one of the things is with Guitar Pro like every, all the tracks sounded pretty awful <laughs> that MIDI guitar sound is really kind of it's stuck in my brain and I will probably never get it out there's something very nostalgic about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Basically, you can program a lot of the songs and guitar techniques in a very detailed way, which is nice. Uh, I, I love to hear 
how the Guitar Pro 8 sounds compared to. Uh, I want to say the last Guitar Pro I used was probably six or maybe even five. It's been a while. So, yeah, I'm kind of intrigued. I, I guess I'll watch some videos and see if it's worth exploring a bit more. Same. I kind of want to get into guitar. Like, I haven't practiced, practiced, or even learned new songs in way too long. Maybe I need, maybe this could be the thing that pushes me over the edge. Yeah. I think I might have a Guitar yeah, Pro it. 7 license and there's an upgrade program until the end of uh, July where you can, for 24, well, 24.50 euros, you can upgrade it to the Guitar Pro 8. I'm pretty sure I have the Guitar Pro 7 license, so maybe I need to upgrade. Yeah, 20, 24 euros 50, that's really not too bad. Go for it. Yeah, that's not bad. And we all want to see a video of you uh, getting to know Guitar Pro 8. Yeah. Yes. I'm already thinking about the title for the video. I hate tabs, but I got myself Guitar Pro 8. <laughs> Should get me the clicks. So, yeah. Some interesting stuff and... What we want to do next is to answer some of your questions and comments in everyone's favorite section, also known as questions and comments. Questions and comments. I don't know, somehow today I feel like I'm missing like the extra 15% of energy that I, I could use right now. But maybe these questions and comments will give me just that and of course I lost my tab where I had my questions opened question number one comes from Giovanni Hernandez please excuse me if I'm butchering your name Giovanni I would probably that's how I would say it uh, people seem to care about Digitech because last week we talked about Digitech being back was it last week it was last week feels like a century ago it does and Yes, and people were hoping that Digitech will now up, upgrade or update the drop pedal. And we I think we talked about this last week. Because I'm all thumbs up if they do that. That would be awesome. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's a great pedal and I'm not exactly sure what they would upgrade. Would they make it quicker responding? Would they give you more options? Mm. But whatever they would do, I would want it. Let's put it that way. Yes. Because yes. it's a really cool pedal. I guess Make it even better. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. I guess the only thing I would probably consider adding there, and I don't, I'm not sure if that's realistic, but when I was dropping it, the pitch, like several semitones or like even half, like full steps down, it would get a bit muddy. I don't know if you could do some sort of EQ compensation when you do that. Like some general, like when you drop an E standard guitar to a B, what are most the most likely frequencies that kind of start popping up? Maybe you could have some sort of like an EQ type of sweep there, for example. Something like that comes to mind. Not sure if they actually do that already, but it was something that I started thinking of <laughs> right now. Yeah, I'm like that's... one of those people who thought they came up with the best idea ever. And then later I'll find out that like about 7,000 people have thought about this 
already. No, that's a really good point. One thing I wonder on that note is it does get a little bit muddy and imprecise once you mm. go down to like B. But why does that happen? Because when you go a whole octave down, it's much better again. But you can still go a whole ah. octave down and then play those low Bs and stuff. So why does that, why is that effect there, you know? You, yeah, that's a good question. Does that make I'm sense what sure. I've just said? Yeah, it does. Yeah, It does. It does. I don't think I ever tried it like a full full octave down because it felt silly to me at that point. I kind of wanted to go to B for some reason. Okay, yeah, um, for me, um, didn't realize with, with, with the full octave down, you also have the dry signal and it's kind of a garage rock sort of effect, a white stripesy ah, type thing. And maybe that's but, why it's actually kind of more precise mm. because um, I've experienced the same effect with my boss OC5. Octiva, mm. for example, um, the more of the dry signal you have in the tone, the better the octave tone sounds. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know what clarity. the technicalities behind that are, but I think maybe there is something there. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, there's a, definitely a better, extra a better clarity drop would example. be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a giant rabbit that passed a window. <laughs> of like, a rabbit. I'm like a dog. I saw a rabbit and I want to go and run after it. Anyway, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I could see them sure updating the... <laughs> their father knows right now because... It, yeah. it, it <laughs> their father knows right now already, so that's good. A bit more safe to go outside every now and then. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to up upgrade with the drop. It's really good, but I feel... The technology we have now would allow it to be even better, track more precisely. And I've liked the idea of adding some extra EQ to it. Like when I was mixing those tracks where I dropped the E standard guitar to a B, I got it to work just fine. But I had to cut out a lot of low mids and low end for the to get the sound that I was going for. So thumbs up from me. Thank you, your money. Hernandez yep, for this for me one. Too. I really I hope this hope happens. They do. And more on the Digitech stuff because Quicksilver, good friend of the show, says, I really need to buy mm. the freak freak out, something we talked about last week as well. So that kind of infinite uh, sustaining type of pedal. And he thinks that Rich has to get one too. Combined with the new new X tape echo, the ultimate where the streets have no name rig, infinite sustain for that intro part. If I had three thumbs, I'd show three thumbs because that sounds amazing. Sign me up. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would love to try that as well. Yeah, that sounds really good. And he also says, I'm not sure if it's the same thing in the UK, but in Canada, we have a pea meal bacon, like a Canadian bacon to Yang's down south. It's basically back bacon rather than traditionally taken from the belly. Is that you guys call Danish bacon in the UK also? Bacon talk. I, I uh, mm, probably, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it is. It's definitely different cuts from American bacon or whatever. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that's exactly talk. what it is. But, but it was also um, supplied by Danish companies 
and ninety-five <laughs> percent of the meat came from Danish pigs. I remember. Yeah, Danish bacon. They had some great TV adverts back in the day. The most famous of which included Peter Schmeichel, the uh, the world famous Man United and Denmark goalkeeper. There you go. There you go. Yeah, good bacon. All of a sudden, I'm very hungry. Can I Me get too. some lunch after this episode? Yeah, this, this was a great comment by Quicksilver from start to finish. I mean, we learned oh, something yes. about bacon. He's recommended me a pedal to buy. I, I can't fault it. Top work. Yes. High quality work indeed. Question or comment number three comes for, from Alberto Pani. And this was on the Harley Benton EV8 style um, kit uh, painting video thing I released a few weeks ago. And he says, Look, sick man, but I won't, wouldn't spray paint in the same room as Levy. It's quite dangerous. And I did indeed spray paint in a bedroom, but it was at my mother-in-law's house. And it's an old, like, I think three generations used to live in that house. So it's huge. And this, like, whole different sections of, of the house is not occupied right now. That's why I, I was painting. <laughs> no, I'm not stupid enough. I, I may be stupid every now and then, but I'm not stupid enough to paint in the same bedroom I would sleep in. Don't worry. And he, we had a lot of fun me reply, chatting about this once I replied to his comment. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned in the second build video, I think, or did I? Or maybe that's coming up in the third one. But some of the paint I used did kind of uh, color some of the stuff in that room. And I had to clean up a lot after that. Maybe that actually comes in the third episode that will air next week. But yeah, right now I've been painting outside on our terrace. That's not fun <laughs> compared to having like a room that's just ready. But you got to do what you got to do to get the guitar kit ready. It will be finished next week. That's super exciting. Yay. So, yay. Yeah. Question or comment number four comes from... Uh, uh, N, I, I don't know if that's a nickname that I don't get. Uh, NYM053. Sounds like a password to me. Uh, I tried to draw up a shape of the headstock of mine, but did it over several times. By the way, he, this was on the Harley Benton T-Style Kit review video. Um, <laughs> the pencil eraser has polished the satin finish so that it has become glossy only in that area. So you can be also used for that, it seems. Never really realized that, but I'm actually going to give it a try. So like the standard pencil eraser can be used to polish the lacquer on the guitar. <laughs> there you go. I might actually give it a try because I have a guitar neck to polish or the headstock to polish here. Uh, the Harley Benton kit guitar actually has all the cold layers applied and just need some sanding and polishing. Maybe I need to try with a pencil erase. That sounds good. <laughs> so thank you. I'm getting so many cool build tips. Like next time yeah, I'll I was gonna be doing say, any kind of... So much thing? useful yeah. information coming in on these videos, huh? Yeah. Yeah, ba basically, if I'll ever do anything like this again, I'll probably rewatch my series to know what not to do the next time. So... Thank you. That was good. 
Question number five comes from Eric Vassi, and this is in the Harley Benton budget. Uh, well, budget-based versus pro-based. There was a Harley Benton enhanced five-string bass versus Sandberg California, and he asks, "What is the weight on the Harley Benton?" And first of all, I didn't remember the exact weight, but as we learned today from the Strandberg website, for example, a weight varies somewhat between the guitars, even if it's the same instrument. Strandberg gave it 10 plus minus 10% of the stated weight. But, and as Rich can probably attest as well, when it comes to budget-friendly instruments, <laughs> it's, I wouldn't say it's 50%, but it's a lot how much it can vary from the average weight of those instruments. So... Even if I say the bass is, let's say, 5 kilos, it could be anywhere between 4 and 6, even, I'd say. Yeah. Easily. That's, that's definitely a thing. Uh, I get an awful lot of comments on my videos as well about the weights of guitars. And I do always mm. weigh guitars that I make videos about because I make sure to tell people because I know it's a question that's sure. going to come up again and again. But you're totally right that, you know, even a piece of wood from the same tree in different parts, it weighs different things, you know? Mm. You can pick up 10 totally identical Fender Mexican strats, same model, same year, same batch, whatever. They'll all weigh something a little bit different because that's just the way it is. And I do think that with, like you say, more affordable guitar brands, the tolerance levels can be even greater. So with Strandberg, that 10% thing is probably going to be dead on. But yeah, with some Harley Benton guitars, for example... I've played super lightweight ones and I've played super mm. heavyweight ones, which were the same model in the past. So, yeah, I mean, good to know an overall kind of ballpark weight, I guess, but don't take it as gospel when someone like me weighs a guitar for you in a YouTube video because mine <laughs> might weigh that, but yours, if you order the same thing, might be heavier, it might be lighter. Who knows? It's luck of the draw. Yeah, that, that's, the thing. That's, that's one of the ways they save money is quality control and Part of the quality control be well, when the instrument is cheaper, there's less quality control, especially when it comes to weight. Yeah, exactly. I they're going to use you, all the parts they can. Yeah, when you progress up the, um, you know, the price chain with Fender and Gibson, once you get up to the custom shop levels, those are the guitars for which they pick the lightest body woods. You know, the cheaper it yeah. is, the the heavier the woods are, and I think. I've heard it mentioned quite a lot recently that with more affordable brands, often they're using body woods that haven't had as long to dry out as more mm. expensive ones. And that might just mean that there's maybe extra moisture in them or whatever. And that just means that they're heavier. So, yeah, you just don't yeah. know at the end of the day. Yeah, this actually reminds me, I had the Harley Benton. I never did a video on that guitar specifically. Uh Oh yeah, so I did. I, I had that guitar in a couple of videos, but I didn't do a specific demo because they ended up kind of changing that model or updating that model a little bit. But for headless guitar, that was heavier than any guitar I have right now, and it was headless. So, and that kind of tells you all you need to know about the kind of range of what the weight of a budget-friendly guitar be. But yep. in that sense, it's a great question and it's something I don't think all people realize and we are here to educate, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting. It's because it's just something I, we've I, run into. Yeah, I mean, I think 
quite a few people do assume that brands build guitars to a weight point, but that's mm. obviously not the way it is. And I think um, yep. more important than the overall weight is the fact that the body of the guitar has to balance and stuff as well, and that it ergonomically yep. is right. And so, um, you know, that's why people are willing to put up with such heavy guitars when it comes to certain Les Pauls, for example, because everything yep. else is right. But yeah. Really interesting topic. And yep. We need to get a guitar builder on the show and ask about this stuff as well at some point. And to the last comment or question, Snake Bliskin comments on my Ivanis AZ Snake one Bliskin. year later video. Bliskin? Yes? Why do I know uh, says, name? Says, you get to stretch the strings when you restring you stretch the strings when you restring? Is my question to you, Rich. Escape from New York. Kurt Russell, that's Snake Pliskin. <laughs> Hello, Snake. <laughs> if this is you, uh, like your stuff. And hey, if Snake is saying you got to stretch the strings, then yeah, you do. Then you got to stretch the strings. <laughs> yeah. I always stretch my strings a bit, but not too much. Yeah. Because I feel like it's... um. I don't know how necessary it is, but I think the the receiving wisdom behind it is that if you stretch them in a bit, they're going to, you know, stabilize and stay in tune quicker. Mm. So that's how I do yeah. it. I'll I'll string them up and then give them a bit of a a bit of a stretch. <laughs> Great yes, explanation. So I, I should start so, so, a, a DIY channel. So, yes, so many stretch jokes here that you can do. But yeah, I feel like doing that. Yeah. Helps you sometimes when you put the string through a tuner, there might be something like a little bit of looseness going on there. Same goes for the bridge. And just doing that sometimes reveals, oh, by the way, all of a sudden I got like several extra centimeters that I actually need to kind of adjust with the tuners to get it right yeah. and things like that. It, it, it's a good thing to do. Uh, once you've been able to tune up the guitar, well, actually, the way I do it, I set up, kind of put all the strings in place, do stretch a little bit, tune it up, and then I usually do a second round of stretching. And I feel like that's where the string kind of locks in place better. And seems to work with my guitars at least. That That's kind of how I do it. And doing it like this and making sure the knot on the guitar is good, uh, I haven't really felt the need to have locking tuners on every guitar. I know some people do, but yeah, that seems to work. Maybe one day I'll do a, some sort of setup video where I'll get 700 angry comments saying that's not how you do it. <laughs> but today is not the day to do that. No, but today thank is you the so day much to for do your... what Snake says. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, thanks everyone for your questions and comments. And again, if you want to submit yours, comment on this video or any other video or shoot us an email at podcast at catpickstudios.com. And before we wrap up, let's talk about something I think or we think you should watch this weekend. And we have just a segment for that. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Video. It's not like you have anything else to do. As always, because we don't have anything else to do, we think you should watch the Matteo Sado 
uh, I guess it's technically interview on Rick Beardo's channel. And yeah, you're going to go, oh, Rick Beardo again. I don't like him. Well, I think what was interesting about this video was the fact <laughs> that I have never seen Mateus as expressive and relaxed as in this video. I've seen a bunch of his interviews. There's one with uh, Tim Pierce and Pete Thorne back in the day, which was great. I've seen him on Sweetwater's channel with Mitch Gallagher. And even there, he was felt like he was a bit reserved. And I mean, Mitch Gallagher is like the sweetest guitar teddy bear out there. And you think if there would be one person that would make you feel relaxed with his deep voice and just calm presence, it would be him. But Mateus is just different in this one because he's clearly chatting to a friend and it was cool to see him like this, talk about him quitting Instagram at some point and where he is now, talk about some of his playing techniques and things like that. Fantastic interview. And I think you absolutely should watch this thing this weekend. That's all I, I can say. I can only echo those thoughts. Yeah. Um, yes. It's good to see Matteo Cesato in a seemingly good place again. I like that. Yeah, And definitely. he's also, if I'm not mistaken, holding Rick Beato's missing in action mm -hmm. signature Gibson Les Paul. Yes. There it is. Yes, it's watching. something we were talking about as of late. We ha hadn't seen it on his channel and now it's there. Yeah, so there this better be coming out soon. I, I would have said NAM, but I think Gibson are actually not going to be at NAM, so it won't be a NAM release, will it? <laughs> yeah, they're just going to release a YouTube video and be done yeah. with it. Who knows? Also, I just yeah. I just wanted to comment quickly on the, the title of the video. Matteo Cesato, yes. today's favorite guitar hero returns. It's a, it's a weird way to write it. Also, is so, he today's favorite guitar hero? That's a massive question. Think about it and we yeah. can discuss that in a future episode. Yeah. I, I, I'd say he's one of the most widely appreciated uh, new guitar players out there. But I don't know if he's today's favorite guitar hero, whatever that even means. But he's definitely one of the most talented ones. Seems to be one of the nicest guys as well. And just very widely appreciated by everyone from John Mayer to Rick Beatles and everyone else. So, And deservingly so, I have to say. He's absolutely ridiculous. Even if I would spend the rest of my life practicing guitar every day for... I don't know, eight hours, which is, by the way, in no way possible, I wouldn't be as good as him. And he's younger than yep. me. So there you go. But a fantastic watch, really cool chat. And I think that is something you should watch this weekend. And on that note, it is time to wrap up Catholic Friday's episode number 62. Thank you so much for listening and watching. And we shall be back next week with fresh content also known as news and comments and things like that and the Harley Benton guitar build DIY kit build will conclude next week I'm looking forward to that I'm also slightly scared that something like something can still go wrong it's gonna be well, fine have got... don't it, worry uh, about it just make sure you stretch uh, the strings yes <laughs> stretch the strings and I'll be fine
and use the Digitech drop to drop it an octave fan. Yeah. It'll be good. Yes. So there you go. Oh, and everyone had to leave predictions of what the Meris audio pedal was. Let us know. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we have we to predict see. what piece of gear is going to be released in the next week. Ah, yes. Thank you. I almost forgot. Next week, if you come up with an idea, go ahead. I'm trying to think. I don't, yeah, I don't I, want to I say thinking time overdrive well. anymore. So right now, we are like, is it three or four weeks ahead of the NAMM show? It kind of feels like so, this might be the time when companies stop releasing stuff until the actual show and the extra publicity that that show brings. Um, and I remember when we were planning this week's show, there was nothing, mm-hmm. you know, up until yesterday. Yes. There was basically no new gear. So um, we got lucky with a couple of nice releases from companies like Harley Benton who wait for us to release their new products. And yeah, so very kind um, of them. Yeah. Coming next week, there is going to be, I'm going to say, a pretty decent new electric guitar from an American company. I'll go super hmm. vague. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's one way to do it. I'm going to go semi-specific and I think there will be a new seven-string guitar not sure well, in a single cut format like a shape just guessing well, that's kind of that's the a idea good guess. Here, so. hey I mean Harley Benton should definitely release seven string versions of those fusion guitars Ooh, sign have me they up. ever done that I don't yes, think they have please. but that would be super cool yeah there's that and on that note thank you so much for watching and listening I'm off to continue my studio renovation thing and stuff like that obviously after I get some thinking something to eat because I I want bacon now <laughs> yeah so thanks we're both off to have a bacon sandwich yes with Danish bacon yeah, it's, yes it's bacon time so yeah have a great weekend we shall see you next week as we do here Bye podcast. Bye podcast.